right about now, you are listening to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, a show where we discuss living as a leader worth following, leading others to do the same, and in doing so, leaving a legacy for future generations. My name is Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., a learning and development professional and leadership coach, sitting down with my co-host, Anthony Devon Watts Jr., an expert contact center leader that has effectively led and developed dynamic teams with high motivation. Together, we have over 30 years' experience in the corporate game. Join us as we discuss our growth as leaders, share the lessons we've learned, and interview others to see how their leadership style was shaped as they were mentored by adversity. Legacy leaders, welcome back to the Legacy and Leadership podcast presented to you by the Legacy Leadership Learning Group. Uh, Again, this is a show where we teach you how to truly live as an entree leader that is worth following, how to develop others and your team to do the same, and in doing so, really build a business and a community and a legacy uh, for generations to come. Uh, I am your host, a co-host, Jimmy Gonzalez, along with my co-host, Devon Watts. Uh, And we are very excited. This is our next installment of our Mentored by Adversity series, and we have a special guest who we have been communicating with for several weeks now and and very much looking forward to get to this point, especially for all of our uh, legacy leaders out there as we start to to really take a little bit of a turn in the topics that we're going to be focusing on over the next few weeks and talk about decision making. We've touched upon it a little bit in the last episode or so, uh, but again, we're going to be really taking a deep dive and felt like this was a perfect opportunity to start that off um, again with our special guest, uh, Sunil Gatsi. Uh, for our listeners out there, if you're new to the podcast uh, or if you're one of our loyal listeners, uh, as always, we thank you for joining us. And please feel free to leave a review and like the video. Uh, and if you are one of our viewers on our YouTube channel, as always, again, like the video, subscribe to the channel and leave us a comment, uh, especially as we get into a deep dive in this topic of decision making and intuition and how that plays into your uh, your decision making process in life and especially in business and even from a branding perspective as well. Um, So again, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to engage with you uh, from that perspective as well. Uh, So gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? No, I'm doing fantastic with the capital F. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, man. If I was doing any better, I'd be So (laughs) (laughs) That is exactly, exactly. Uh, for for our, our listeners out there, Sunil uh, Gatsi he has really has had success. Uh, really has been entirely built upon the foundation of intuition, as I me- uh, mentioned. Um, after making kind of a series of some bad decisions, with one even leading to a friend being shot and killed, uh, Sunil spent thousands of hours researching, doing interviews to find out the reason we waste time making bad decisions uh, and, and why we tend to ignore our intuition. He's helped grow six ventures uh, into uh, his early entrepreneurial career, career into close to $20 million. Uh, his intuitive branding and business savvy had him completely transform a number of smaller ventures, taking them from six to seven figures within a very short period of time. Uh, so again, we are very excited to, uh, to have him on as a guest uh, and to hear a little bit more about his leadership style and how that was developed through uh, this process of learning more about intuition and, and adversity that he has gone through in his life. Uh, so again, welcome, Sunil. We're super glad to have you with us uh, on our podcast and for our legacy leaders out there. 
Well, thank you very much for inviting me and uh, hoping to drop some knowledge bombs here. And, and I'm going to really bring this this tangible woo-woo thing called intuition. I'm going to make it real for everyone else, everyone listening or watching, because by the time that they're done with this podcast episode, they will have the tools to make every decision the right one, no matter what situation they're in. Perfect. Perfect. Love I'm excited. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to jump right in, uh, again, kind of going through uh, our, our our questions and getting a little a little bit more into again how your leadership style has developed over the years but before we do that I might gave our, our viewers and listeners a little bit of information about you but tell us about you personally and professionally how you got to this point yeah so uh, professionally I, I can certainly turn on uh, start with that uh, uh, I started actually the seed of entrepreneurship was something uh, that I had when I was five years old and, and this was my first brush with intuition when I looked at, when I was five years old there were these video games that my dad want I wanted my dad to buy they were too expensive and I distinctly remember this voice telling me Sunil go door to door to raise money and so I there's this five-year-old I had my two-year-old brother in diapers coming with me uh, and we went door to door lots of milk and cookies uh, but I raised two hundred dollars right and I gave a hundred dollars to my dad and the other hundred dollars went to charity because um, I love that and everything I, I did kind of like Hansel and Gretel was kind of breadcrumbs of entrepreneurship but for those watching um, I, I'm a South Asian, right? And so there's kind of four career doors that you go into. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. Um, and so I picked door number three because I listened to my dad. And he says, you have to be an engineer. You know, you can do anything else you want, but it's got to be one of those three doors. Got into engineering, absolutely hated it, uh, and wasted three years in that. Um, and in the second year, I became a private investor for a Mexican restaurant chain that came up to Canada. I was making five times more in dividends doing that. And and year three, I quit. I uh, ended up saying bye-bye to my dad in terms of a relationship because he didn't speak to me for a number of years. But it didn't matter because my intuition was leading me to be that entrepreneur. Six ventures later, $20 million in revenues, and then uh, I, I left the one, um, and then other people started calling me to say, can you help with our business? Uh, and that was a run of a number of years being a management consultant with some Fortune 500 companies, uh, some smaller companies, mid-sized companies. Um, and it was really based on really this, the essence of intuition and trust, which got me to you know, bring my businesses uh, to raise, you know, make them make them grow to help other businesses and whatever what I needed. But it started with the seed of trust and, and intuition. I still needed the processes. I still needed the data. I still needed all of that to back that up. Um, and this is the one thing about uh, that people don't that, that sort of misunderstand about intuition. It is backed up with a lot of data and experience that you already have. But by the time it gives you a signal, so when when I make a decision based on intuition. Uh, I'm taking the 20 or 30 years of my experience already in the subconscious area of my brain where my intuition resides. And when it gives me a signal, it's packed. It's jam-packed with my experience and the experience of others. And I think a lot of people mis misunderstand that uh, because of the woo-woo nature of it um, as, as, as it's characterized. Uh, and then wrote my uh, a book, Fail Fast, Succeed Faster, on failure. I never, ever thought that there was a seed uh, of, of trusting your intuition uh, or ignoring it in this book's case, which led to a lot of the failures. That led to my second book called Gut, uh, which was all about the science of intuition. Um, and then intuitionology was on the personal side. Uh, and uh, then intuitive branding now just recently on the business side. And it's all based on trust. And as the, it, the, the uh, research shows on intuition, uh, trust is developed anywhere between 10 to 14 seconds. When you trust a brand, when you trust a person, when you trust a marketing message, a social media post, 
within 10 to 14 seconds, if you even need that time, your intuition is saying yay or nay. Uh, and so that's on the professional side. Personally, I've got two girls uh, and I'm married. Um, and um, this is what happens when you put intuition in the hands of a child. Um, I'll tell you the funny story first and then the, and then the, the more serious one. Uh, so my, my nine-year-old, when she was seven, we, of course, because I'm talking about intuition all the time, she goes, Daddy, how do you know when intuition, uh, what intuition is? And I said, well, it's when you feel like you want to say something or do something, uh, you know, if, in her language. And she goes, oh, I have a story about that. And I said, okay, what is it? And she goes, well, I was, I was sitting on Santa's lap, and he was, he was talking to me, and his breath was stinking. And so my intuition was saying that I need to ask him to eat a candy cane. And so I told him to eat a candy cane, and he ate a candy cane, and his breath smelled much better. Always trust your intuition. <laughs> so that's, that's my set when she was seven. And then for my, my other daughter, when she was 12, she went to India. And she saw people with no arms, and uh, she's been an artist. And so, for, for some of them, you can see a couple of paintings in the background. That's hers. And so, she's been. Um, she actually runs a nonprofit business based on intuition. Um, and in a year, she's raised over thirty thousand dollars to help those with disabilities, um, uh, you know, come and express themselves through art. Uh, as she's fourteen. Wow, man. So that's what happens when you put the intuition in the hands of a child, and it's it's business. It's business, but it's through that purpose. It's through that intuitive branding because it's her story, the purpose that has people want to come and support her, that has people that are going to help. She has a podcast series. She does all the back-end stuff. You guys know how hard that is. She does that all herself. Um, and so when she says yes to people coming on as podcast guests, sometimes they say no to me because I'm not as cute. Um, I beg to differ, but uh, you know, but that's 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 me on the professional side. So intuition really is the bridge between both professional and personal for me. Amen. Well, one, I definitely appreciate hearing not just your um, you know your professional journey, but also kind of your personal journey, how those things marry um, between one another. Especially, I think a lot of our our listeners out there, our entrepreneurs out there, can resonate with that sense of. You know, maybe early on, I started down a path because that was what was expected of me. That was the expectations of somebody else, despite what my gut, my instincts, that inner voice was telling me. Um, and uh, obviously, with just kind of what you share now, and then we'll get into this a little bit more as we talk about you know, how did you become mentored by adversity, but um, how trusting in that intuition, trusting that voice, um, following through has opened up a whole world that would not have been available to you if you had just merely conceded the idea that, well, I got to be one of these four, right? <laughs> like you said, doctor, lawyer, yeah. engineer, or failure. That's right. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I'm just uh, like super, super excited to hear about that uh, more and then how your personal journey served as the example when we talk about legacy, right, and leaving it for generations. Like, you're already fostering and instilling what you've learned through years of you know um, struggle and growth and um, reflection in your next in the next generation. You're now you're old, you're 14 year old, and what they're able to do and how they're already able to kind of realize their purpose, that sense of purpose. Um, those are all things that I know for entrepreneurs out there that are listening that um, resonate with the reason behind why we decide to build, why we build. Right. And so, um, yeah, man, I'm excited for uh, the content that we got for the group and you know, kind of hear more about your journey. Absolutely. So entrepreneur, 
author. You're also host of the Intuitionology podcast series, which you you really educate your listeners on how to sharpen their intuition mm-hmm. uh, using case studies and combining that art and science of, of intuition through those case studies. Uh, and as you just mentioned, a family man, two children. So how do you balance your, your personal and professional life, uh, which it seems as busy as you are with all of these endeavors you have? Yeah, so for, for me, it's, it's, I mean, balance is one that I, I, I look at as an, it's kind of an integration. Um, and um, for me, obviously, with the intuition piece and, and with my kids and, and with intuition, uh, there's, there's a lot more of an integration. So there's times when I'm super, super busy and there's less time for family. There's other times where, for example, we just had Easter weekend and I took, you know, three days off. Uh, four days off and and spent that time because it was you know intuitively you kind of know when you need to spend time with the kids and um, you know they're learning from me I'm learning from them uh, I've got a great set of friends um, you know and, and Devin you were talking about earlier about you know uh, you know listening to the wrong people versus the right people uh, that's key and so one of the biggest things with intuition is when you start surrounding yourself with the wrong people, they're the ones that, that put a damper on what we call intuitive signals. So for me, it's really important to make sure that I give myself family time, I have the right people around me, and I've probably met over 100,000 people through speaking and, and, and everything else. I've got like three people around me that I really trust. Um, and it was interesting. I just did a podcast interview earlier with someone who had Gary Shandling, the comedian, um, mm-hmm. as as a mentor. Uh, and when he, one of the things he told her after we got into this discussion of people around you, of all the hundreds of thousands of people this guy knows, there were three, three that he trusted. Um, and so it's for me, that's where that sense of quality comes in. And when that balance or um, integration is out of alignment, my intuition starts sending me a bit of a rub. Uh, and I know that mm, you know my daughter's at, my daughter's asking to pay, play uh, you know Monopoly or uh, some badminton or maybe we'll just go for a hike and you know what I'll jump at the chance right away uh, because I've I've also heard way too many stories online about people not you, you know not saying they love uh, you know I love you to the parents who have finally gone or the kids are gone or something happens and I just don't want that to happen to me um, and the thing is we all. I don't want to regret later, you know, why we talk about regret when we're 60 or 70, like, forget that. Like, what about the regrets today, right? We should be worrying about not ready, regretting our stuff today. And when you do that, then that's how you live in the present moment, like everybody talks about, but they don't do. Um, that's how you live in the present moment. And that's where your intuition loves to play because the sandbox is in the present moment with the intuitive signals telling you what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. It's up to us to listen to those signals. Or not? No, that that's so true. I mean, I, you know, I think about. Uh, I have three kids. Uh, two are young adults. I have a twenty-three-year-old, uh, a twenty-year-old, and a fourteen-year-old. The, the oldest is out of the house, uh, but you just know, especially when uh, you know you're working. We have our business and the podcast, and you're putting so much time and attention, and and you just feel it. Like, mm-hmm. I need to I need to walk away from my desk. I need to go spend some time with my daughter or my family, and I need to just go you know, unplug or give them a hug or just ask them how they're doing. Give them some words of affirmation. Um, you just, you, you sense that and you feel that within yourself um, and recognize I need to, I need to go make some moves and, and make sure that they understand that Pops is here, Dad loves them uh, and, and share those with them, especially something I shared with Devon many years ago that we, we still talk about and kind of keep track of is how many summers we actually have left with our children. And for yeah. me, I know uh, my middle child, I have 
almost about two years, you know, left, uh, depending on what happens after she finishes her master's program. And then with our youngest, we're pretty much certain that she's going to leave when she, she finishes high school. Uh, so at the very least, you know, I have another four summers with her. And, and like you said, just being present day to day, but also making sure that uh, I'm intentional about investing time with them, you know, with the time that I do have left. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that entrepreneurs sometimes get into this rut of just working and working and working and trying to really hurry things up. And one of the things that intuition is really good at is being creative and getting things where you can pivot or, or have a, think about a, a product or service that you can do that really serves the needs of, of your customers that they are going to pay you for, which is essentially your entrepreneurship. But we, we're so much on a hamster wheel that we get burnt out or we have no energy. And when you don't have any energy, that's not what the best time to, to, to tap into your intuition. You got to have energy to have, to have those creative juices going. And sometimes you just got to walk away. And when you do walk away, those are the times that you'll get those aha moments. There's times when I'm in the shower or even like my wife and I have this, um, this, um, routine that every night we sleep with each of the girls uh, and we chat about the day or we'll talk about something or I'll talk about a podcast guest that's coming up or a story I saw. Um, and in some cases, I'll be daydreaming. I'll be out because I'm so relaxed in that environment beside them that I'll just be daydreaming. And it could be a marketing decision. It could be an ops decision or a team member or something. Um, and my girls will just, you know, sometimes they'll wave in front of me and say, Dad, you know, are you thinking about intuitionology again? And I said, yeah. And, and I just tell them, I'm so relaxed in this environment that, you know, it's just I, I, I've solved a problem sometimes just by just lying down beside my girls. Um, and, and I love that that energy. And th those are what I call intuitive mediums. And, and we all have those, right? Mm. And so giving that time uh, when you have the energy, because that's when the creative juices are flowing. And it's not in the weeds when you're being tactical and you're doing stuff day to day. There's no creativity there. You're just doing something tactical process uh, that you've already thought about and you're putting into place. But you're not growing your business. You're just working on the business, right? So you got to make you got to make a choice. Yeah, man. Now, I like, um, man. You you, dro you dropped a couple of nuggets in there, um, especially like we just recently, you know, we're talking about inner circles. We we're talking about how to identify individuals that are in your inner circle. We talked about the fact that you know every king or leader needs counsel, and the most important decisions often you can make as an entrepreneur is either who you decide to go into business with. Right? Or who do you receive counsel from as you're building out your business? Um, and the things that you're talking about, how intuition just is a through line across all of that, where the business building, relationship building, it's making sure that you're sharpening your saw, spending time with your family. Like I love the I love the love the point that you brought up about how being present, living in the now, which again everybody talks about doing but they fail to do. Living in the now really is about focusing on not regretting today or yesterday, right? Not thinking about well, when I, I don't want to regret when I'm 60, 75, 80, right? No, like not regretting what happened today, not regretting what happened yesterday. And then this part is what really resonated with me, which is because focusing on the now is the the sandbox of playground for your intuition. That's where it likes to play. Mm, yes. Like that was the bar. Um, and so... <clears throat> I just think that's so profound. I definitely wanted to just kind of reinforce that as our listeners are, um, you know, just kind of, you know, hearing you break this stuff down because it resonated with me as, okay, you're absolutely right. Like being able to have these, like you said, intuitive mediums, right? Taking a step back and knowing that taking that step, taking that step back or taking that step away does not mean that prior, you're not progressing. 
Um, in fact, it can help accelerate your progress because then, again, your intuition uh, has the space it needs to trigger the, creati the creative thought to usually come up with some type of solution that can really propel you forward as opposed to like just throwing yourself in the weeds and just getting, you know, again, not having the creative freedom, getting lost in the muck um, and working on the business, but not growing your business. I love right. that part too. Working on your business, not growing your business, man. It's some good stuff. No, I picked up on that as well, and I wanted to dive into that a little bit. So episode 37 for us, we were breaking down seven personality types that you should be mindful of and make sure you ensure that they are not within your inner circle. And then episode 38, we were discussing why why you should keep your inner circle small. So I'm curious how intuition has played into that decision-making process for you and who you keep in your circle for counsel and just for, you know, for mentorship. And as you mentioned, friends, you know, within your inner circle as well. Yeah. So, so I typically put people in four different groups and for those, and I've got a free seven day challenge on my, on the intuitionology.com website. And so one of the things that you actually do is you identify a problem and then you actually use your intuition to filter people into one of four groups for that problem. But this is, and you take that and you extrapolate to your own life. So there's uh, the group numbers uh, one are the ones that are are your cheerleaders. They have the experience, and we'll talk about from a business perspective. They have the experience. They have the knowledge that's going to help move your business forward. Um, and these are the ones that, and and they're going to share that with you with no strings attached. Uh, and so those are the ones that you want to keep on your inner circle and you trust. And each one of these people will come with an intuitive signal. Uh, and it's like, what do you feel about that person? If it feels like there's no resistance, um, then that means that that person, you can, you can trust that person uh, intimately when it comes to getting advice from them. Uh, and the minute, though, that your intuition sees something that's wrong, it's going to give you a different signal, a negative signal. Each one of us has unique ones. So, for example, I had one entrepreneur whose, whose left earlobe got hot. Um, every time he got into a venture or met somebody that was somebody that they need to be warned from. Um, I've had another uh, CEO who's run two multi-million dollar businesses um, based on seeing an omen behind his, uh, behind his right shoulder uh, as the positive signal. And he, he did deals based on that. So as crazy as it sounds, these people are so tapped into their intuitive signals that they know when to say yes and no. So that's group number one. Group number two may not have the right experience, but they are my cheerleaders. They know in, in the ups and more, more the downs, um, they will be there for me. I know I can call them. And again, my intuition says, yes, you can always call them and they will be there. Um, and how people find this out is when you're down and out, when you actually hit rock bottom or you go through a significant period in your life, who sticks around? Who's the one? And way too many people, people, uh, way too many people wait for that moment before they, they start to filter their relationships um, because this can be done way earlier. But certainly that's a great tell. Uh, group number three are those that are, are great colleagues. Uh, you know, you can have a beer with them or a coffee for those who drink or what have you. They're good from afar. Uh, and it's great to have a chat, but they won't get any closer. Uh, they may over time. So this is these aren't static groups. These are all these are all mobile. And then group number four are the ones that you really need to to stay away from. They they uh, they sap your energy. They have nothing good to say. They're only in it for their. They want to hear themselves talk. They don't care about what your opinion is or where you're going. Those are the, those are the ones that you want to get rid of. So I 
the group number one and two are the ones that I like to bring into the inner circle. And people are going to come in and out as your life moves on. People change. So people in even group number one, if they're not trusting their intuition, maybe their values change. When my intuition senses that their values change and it goes against my values, now I'm going to move them into group two or maybe even group three. And so my intuition, like it's like a camera. It's always on. Uh, and so it's always watching for that trust factor. Are the words matching the actions? Am I getting anything deceptive uh, when it comes to facial expressions? Uh, are the values, uh, they're going to be a little bit different from mine, but I, can I tolerate that? Or am I making excuses? All of these things kind of go in my mind or what the intuition picks up on. And so what happens is when you surround yourself with groups one and two, those are the ones that will truly move your life forward personally and professionally or in business. And you don't need too many. We were talking earlier, like I, I have three, right? Um, I've met tens of thousands of people just like you guys have. Uh, and it's even okay to have one. There was a time in my life I had zero. I had zero, but I was the happiest guy on the planet because I had myself. Uh, and I, I distinctly still remember that where I was standing. It was in Calgary, Canada. Uh, I had no job. I had no friends, but I had myself. And it was just like, you know, you get this light and it's just everything I'm going to do is a po- everything I do is positive. Uh, I'm going to impact the world, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all that self-talk. Um, so that's what drives you forward, right? And then you've got to be really, really careful at who you bring into the inner circle because, again, I went into engineering for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, I had a bad client that had me lose all my money for the wrong reasons. Uh, and I had a friend shot and killed because I didn't trust myself, right? And um, she was being stalked at the time. Uh, and uh, I said, let's meet a couple of days later. And the very next day, uh, the stalker went up to her and put a bullet in her forehead. Um, and so that's because I didn't trust myself, right? Surrounded myself with the wrong people that dampened my intuitive signals to tell me, meet with her right away. So that you got to be very picky. No, man. Uh, I, I appreciate you sharing. And definitely um, our condolences, obviously, for the loss Thank of your you. friend. Thank yeah. um, you. Yeah, there definitely is a... Um, a reaffirming lesson in that though in those experiences all of those things that you've shared um, and I love the way that you really broke it down about how you break those individuals into those four groups and we actually we spent a lot of time talking about that fourth group right and identifying those toxic personalities to kind of stay away from um, <clears throat> but I love the tips that you provided around group one two and three and the different value that they bring you know from those seasoned professionals who you know that no strangers attached they're in it to see you successful and that you can call on them when you need it your cheerleaders are going to be able to help you when you're down um you know um and it's funny you mentioned about the omens right because uh, i'm laughing a little bit as you're talking about it because as much as and i'm pretty sure our listeners can re- can relate to this like as much as like when you hear it like oh yeah he made a decision based off of you know omen over his shoulder his earlobe got hot and like we can laugh at that Naturally, I, I would venture to say all of us have some some semblance of that, of something that we go through that we use as kind of that last validation point of, uh, yeah, my intuition, you know, my you know my eyes acting up, my palm is sweaty, or my legs jumping, right? Um, and so it's it, like when you were sharing about the guy specifically um, that has made decisions based off of that omen. Like I think about some of the moments in my life, um, especially over the past couple of years, that were super transformative for me, um, and how I got validation through 
um, a vision and a dream, so much so that I ended up tattooing it on myself. So it's kind of crazy because this conversation came up earlier today, not related uh, when I was um, getting my vaccine today. That's um, crazy. Yeah, so, like, the guy, he was asking me, like, he, you know, usually those things are super, like, you know, transactional, but when he asked me to pull up my shoulder, my sleeve so that he could, you know, go ahead and inject me, he was like, oh, man, what does that tattoo mean? And so I was like, okay, well, it's been a while since I've had to answer that question. So I just started answering. He's like, well, what about the elephant? Well, who's that lady? Why, or what, is that you sitting on the elephant? What does that signify? And so I explained everything to him um, about the tattoo. And then he was just like, so did, did she lead you in the right direction? That was his question. Like, did she lead you in the right direction? I said, man, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. And I found myself, like you, Sunil, in that moment around 2016. I remember it vividly. Um, I had just left a marriage, I left a relationship, right? I had kind of stripped myself of everything, just moved away with just my, a TV, my dog, uh, and, and myself to start all over. Uh, but I found myself in Key West alone, um, on a boat, like on a boat, sun shining, just feeling like the most peaceful that I felt in many, many years, right? Because I knew I had had myself. I had decided to listen to my intuition that I was kind of suppressing over the past years of the relationship because I didn't want to listen to, to what it was telling me that I was in the wrong situation. So um, yeah. I'm sharing that because, man, just so much of the things that you're resonating with, you've shared are resonating with me is giving me you know, freaking goosebumps. Man. It's awesome. That's amazing. And, and one of the things you have to realize with intuition, this is now we're going to get into the science uh, of it a bit, is that intuition hits the limbic part of your brain and there's no capacity for language. So what happens is we define everything in our own way. So if somebody does see it as voices from God or coming from the cosmos or omen or what have you, that's fine. That's just how they define it. Uh, in fact, one of my first interviewees was someone who did not believe in intuition. Um, and this is a guy who was an investment banker. Uh, and I spent the next hour telling him about uh, intuition is based on experience. It's based on the situation you're in. And as I'm giving him the reasons where intuition, it, what it's based on, He's giving me an example of it. So for him, it's based on learning and experience. Well, guess what? One of the four types of intuition is called experiential intuition. It is loaded with experience. And sometimes intuition goes against the data. And he says, I've got an example, right? And so as, as I'm talking to him over the next hour, he's getting it because intuition, it's his intuitive signals. It's his definition. It's his experiences that... that uh, uh, that are more important. And at the very end, the, the very last question I asked him, going from Sunil, I don't know what we're going to talk about because I don't think intuition exists. And he's vivid. He's saying this on camera. Uh, to an hour later, he I say, John. Um, his name is John Rothschild. Um, I said, John, when did intuition help you make a decision? And so he said, you know, sometimes Sunil, you have to just go against the data, and. Trust your intuition. He's now fully using this word. This is a guy who was an investment banker making 3 to $4 million a year, private jets, limousines, and, and uh, high-end restaurants. He wanted to quit all of that because his intuition was telling him to run a tiny, bankrupt little restaurant. And it, it, when he asked, his wife asked him why, he said, it just felt right. Now, now he's talking about an intuitive signal. He went from three to four million dollars a year. That tiny bankrupt little restaurant that his intuition told him to go into was Eastside Mario's location number one. And he turned that over the next 20 years into a two billion dollar behemoth under different brand names, all because it felt right. right. Wow. 
so he defined it himself, but he knew what the intuitive signals are once I got him to understand how intuition was defined by him, how it worked for him. So sure, people can laugh about omens and orbs and, you know, um, hairs in the back of the neck, but that doesn't matter. How does it work for you? And when you spend the time to look back at those decisions, the right decisions, you said, okay, how did it feel like in the moment? And this is what your audience can do. Go back to your decisions, the, the right ones. Hmm, what did it feel like? Go back to the bad decisions. What did those feel like? And what you have to do, particularly with the bad ones, is you have to go back to the very, very first one because what happens is when you ignore those subtle signals, they get louder and they change. And so let's say, Devin uh, and Jimmy, you guys, let's say we all agree that our gut feeling is a negative signal. Let's say both of you guys know that your gut feeling is signal number one because you both have done your homework. And let's say I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of an idiot and I didn't do my homework. And so we go for coffee and say, yeah, yeah, I get that gut feeling too. If I make the mistake of assuming that my gut feeling is signal number one, but it's actually signal number three, Mm -hmm. that means I've missed my first two signals because I'm stupid enough not to pay attention. I haven't done my homework. Those two signals mean I've made two bad decisions because I ignored my intuition. That could be me stubbing my toe or I could be headed towards bankruptcy. I don't know the veracity of that decision. All I know is I made two bad decisions. So this is what your your the people listening or watching can do is just on a sheet, put your decisions good and bad, and think about what it felt in the moment. And once you get a, your robust signals of your positive and negative signals, you've got that inventory, test it. The next decision you make, what does it feel like? If there's no resistance, go for it. If, it, if there is a resistance, back away. And if you did make a bad decision, you haven't done your homework fully because you've missed a signal somewhere. And so the more you get, uh, you get uh, used to figuring out these inventory of signals, the faster you are able to recognize them. And guess what? You start making the right decision every single time in your personal life and in your business. I love that. I love it because you, what you're talking about, right, is, again, making it tangible and getting a, a diverse enough data set to understand, like, again, what, what are the signals um, that were being sent to you? Um, and it, instead of just waiting to um, maybe, right, give in to that, that feeling, like, be able to spot it in advance, right? Yeah. Um, and... Man, it has me thinking because now, like, I'm, I need to go through that activity. We need to go through that same activity, right, of really breaking those things down and understanding, mm-hmm. like, well, what is kind of that first signal in our intuition or for our intuition? Is it the gut feeling or is it something else? Exactly. And then, and then how do we continue to identify that so that moving forward when we make decisions, again, it's rooted in these things that we know align with um, indicators of our intuition kicking in. Absolutely. And and you know, one of the things that people think is that when you try to start making decisions for yourself based on these intuitive signals, many think that it's going to be pleasurable, it's going to be cathartic. Uh, but for 99% of the people, because so many of us are living through the eyes and values of somebody else, somebody's given us a bad advice, we've been through trauma, we're trying to prove something to somebody, we're always looking for the lens of others, the value of others. And so when we when we try and do things for ourselves, it's, it's pretty frightening. And, and one of the guys I interviewed was a, a guy by the name of um, Vin Jang. He's a professional. He was a professional uh, um, a, a magician. And now he's doing things on communication. And 
but all in 2016, 100,000 people a year, 80 stages. This guy was on fire downtown LA, high rise, the big brands. And this guy said his intuition is saying, You need some major help. Goes away to New Zealand, puts up values on the wall, and he looks at these pieces of paper and he says, Well, that's what my wife wants. This is what my family wants. This is what my manager wants. This is what my career wants. Where am I? He takes down those pieces of paper, puts them up, because this is affecting his business. Uh, he, he puts them up, and he said, this was so frightening because for the first time in my life, I'm giving myself permission to be me. Um, and the other part of doing this exercise is actually taking action. And the problem that Vin had was that he did all this exercise. He was in New Zealand, comes back to L.A., and goes back to the same old lifestyle again, same old friends, same old crap. Six months later, his parents come up from Australia, and his mom pulls him aside, and he was saying his mom, there's this, this uh, saying in Vietnamese that when you hang around squid, at some point you're going to get her ink on you. And she said that you're hanging around so much squid, you are not my boy. And that was the moment that he needed to change. And he did. He, he, he sold his car, w- moved out to the suburbs, sold, got rid of all his friends. And that was a six-month process. And one of the things that people don't realize is this thing called opportunity cost. And so what I said is, Vin, it's not just the six months that you've lost um, you know, in, in not doing the right thing. It's also the six months that you also lost because you could have gained six months. So you actually lost a full year. And if you're in the business of helping 100,000 people a year better themselves, how many people did you leave behind? Mm. How many people did you not help? And he just said, I've never thought about it like that, Sunil. And it hit him hard, right? So think about the time that you actually make a decision. And, and it, sometimes it is fearful. It's very, very fearful. But what you got to do is don't forget, intuition is it's either right or wrong. And the fear is because we're finally doing something for ourselves that we haven't done in a, in, ever. And one of the, the best case studies of this I have is there's a fellow, David Dame, who has uh, cerebral palsy, sorry, uh, Parkinson's disease. Uh, and he's in a wheelchair all his life, always on beaches and thinking, what if? One day he gets a chance to say, I'm going to go on that beach and my, I'm going to trust my intuition and I'm going to walk in the water. That's all he wanted to do. So he gets wheeled onto the edge of the water sand barrier, gets up feels the sand and the water in his toes and falls flat on his face. He gets embarrassed. Fear starts coming in. And he says, Sunil, I have two things that I can do at this right, right at this moment. I can sit back in my wheelchair and forever regret turning my dream into a reality. I am right here. Or I can listen to my intuitive signal that's saying, come on, David, take a step in that water. Come on, David, you can take a step at second step and take the third step. And he continues to walk in the water and the water gets up to his chin. And then he turns around because he's walking in the present moment. He's not worrying about where he needs to go. He's just walking in the present moment. And when he turns around, he's completely blown away by how far he had come. So when you live in the present moment on those intuitive signals, you battle fear. Because intuition knows you're either going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or you're not. It's just that simple. And when you have a positive signal, move in that direction. You got a negative signal, back up and think about what that positive signal is. It's just that simple. And that's how you have a successful business. That's how you become a successful leader. Because when you operate like that, 
Employees want to be around you. Customers want to buy from you. The marketplace loves you because you have a purpose. You have a story that resonates, that people latch onto. Their trust is latching onto you, which happens between 10 to 14 seconds, and that's how you crush the competition. There's your secret to success. Yeah. Walking in the present moment. And I love what you said about fear, too, because it was funny right before you said that I was thinking about the fear and the courage, you know, that one needs to have, right? It's not that I, I, I'm not fearful, but I have the courage to, to stand in the face of that and follow my intuition or my gut instinct yep. and move forward. Um, you know, I think about uh, one of the, the businesses that I had was a nonprofit was Trinity Fitness and the decision to say, I'm going to leave my corporate job that I had been at for around I don't know, 14 years or so at that particular point. And, you know, without knowing if I'm going to be able to, in my mind, obviously the goal is to generate a salary, but I'm going to step on, on a, uh, on faith and leave the, the corporate job and open up this gym and, and move in the direction that I felt God was, was leading me in. Uh, and to your point, while that was probably not one of the scariest time of my life, but I, I felt so confident in the decision and my thought process was the people, like as you mentioned to, uh, to John, you know, what about all the people that you, know, you could have helped? At this point in my life, I know the people that I was able to help because of that decision and following my gut and my intuition. And again, really following what I felt my purpose was to move forward and say, no, this is what we're going to do. Even when people thought I was crazy, uh, you know, as, as a husband and having a, a, a younger family at the time and, you know, responsibilities that we have as men and um, going through that process that was one of the, the best things that, you know, I've done in my life. Um, but it's also what I've, what I've learned is like so many different aspects of our life and the way that our bodies and our minds work, the more you continue to ignore that intuition and to ignore those feelings, like you, you, you lose it. So I appreciate what you said about being intentional about going through that process and studying and really fine tuning and, and getting that much more deeper into your particular signals and those intuitive signals that you mentioned. And what, what does that mean for me as an individual? Uh, and am I missing one or two? Maybe I'm really strong on number three, but if I've already missed one and two, I might be leading myself in a direction that could be potentially even worse if I was able to pick up on uh, those, those initial intuitive signals as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's great that you acknowledge that, right? Uh, you know, uh, and moving from a corporate fitness into a, a I mean, gym. I mean, there's, I mean, Peter Townton's an, a, a great example of that. One of my first interviewees, uh, and he was a squash player, right? Uh, and he knew that these these big gyms and nobody was looking at customer service. They had ratty uh, carpets, and and I'm sure uh, you know, Jimmy, you know, you know the ins and outs of gyms where they're not paying attention to the people. And even some of the local gyms I look here, I mean, mm. it's just like, what a stupid formula. And he concentrated on just just delivering customer service that was it and he that became a billion dollar uh business for him just on customer service loving the service taking away all the extra stuff that are all the glib and the the glam and the shine you deliver a great experience for that person they're going to want to uh, come to that they're going to tell other people um and he went to town as one of the most successful people in the fitness industry um, again, down to intuition, down to signals, down to relationships, right? This this intangible thing that leads to billions of dollars, right? So if you want something tangible, 
those things are laggard indicators, right? All the statistics that you want are laggard indicators. Even things like culture is a laggard indicator. The leading indicator is, does somebody love working for you? If they love working for you and you get a collective, that's the definition of culture later. So hire those people first that love working for you because that's how you develop the culture. So don't hang your hat on laggard indicators. Be the leader and do the leading indicators, which is trusting your intuition. Yeah, absolutely. So, so in, in that, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say in regards to, to leadership, um, and you mentioned, you know, really fine-tuning this 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 intuition and how that can help you to find success uh, in business and as a leader. And you mentioned relationships. Who are, uh, I'm interested, you know, who are the people in your life that helped you grow as a leader? And what did they teach you, you know, through that process, especially as you've been fine-tuning your intuition over these years? Yeah, so one of the very first mentors I had was a fellow by the name of Sig Gauthier. Um, and he had owned one of our uh, the professional football uh, teams in, in uh, Canada called the Calgary Stampeders. And he was very instrumental in telling me about people, people first. Um, and that was very, very important. And I looked at the relationships he had, um, you know, even after he was, uh, you know, kind of talking with me and he was obviously a public figure. Um, and so you can kind of see the, the types of interviews he did. So my intuition is kind of picking up on that. Um, I had a couple other people that were inspirational, even some, even some of the employees that I had, you know, just talking to them and figuring out what their lives are like uh, and why they're working for you. And that, that becomes inspirational because they trust you to improve their life. And it's not them, it's just them, it's their family. It's them getting married uh, and you have a hand in that. So they also become a source of inspiration for me as well uh, because I have a hand in, in making sure that their life is fulfilling. Um, and I've got a couple of mentors now um, that, uh, so they, they've, they've kind of mentored, they don't want to be mentioned by name, but these are the ones that are really instrumental. And where they were instrumental is giving me actual advice Right, so uh, one of them is a self is a is a published author, um, and he, he was telling me that you should actually self publish Sunil. The, the stuff that he's seen, he's he's a six times published author, but he says you, absolutely you should be self publishing the first time. I have somebody who is a documentary maker and won some awards in documentaries, and the moment I wanted to get into a documentary um, for intuition, what she said is forget it, right? Because the the stuff that she had to go through was something that she didn't want me to, to go through. So when these people, even though they've got the accolades and they've got the things that everybody else sees, when they're really, really there genuinely not to make sure that you don't go through the hell that they had to go through, pardon my French, um, those are the real mentors that you want to have because that's the type of advice that I want to get. And they don't have to be household names. They could be just, it could be just someone even, you know, a coworker or somebody else, but they're very authentic and they're very real about their opinion. So we have to be careful. We don't want to put too much of a pedestal when it comes to mentorship, right? I've learned from my kids, right? Because there's no filter with them, uh, right? And some of the things that my daughter uh, uh, says on stuff that I've got to do for marketing says, wow, that's interesting. I've never thought about that. Uh, and because they're not, they, they don't have the filters of society. They don't have, uh, you know, a lot of people nagging at them. Don't do this. Don't do that. So they're they're a little bit more freer when it comes to like almost free birds. So when they make a suggestion, that's really interesting. You know, maybe I'll use that as a piece of content, or maybe I'll use that as an analogy in a blog that I have. Um, and so it depends on where you pick pick apart these these small small snippets of of mentorship uh, along the way. Okay. Awesome, man. So um, 
and I actually I I do appreciate that because you're right. A lot of times we think about mentorship as uh, folks that have achieved solely folks that have achieved a certain status or level of success in a space that we want to occupy. Um, but I love the fact that you're saying, well, yeah, that's, a, that's one slice of it, but there are other slices of mentorship that you can get just as valuable, as much valuable information, if not more so, right, if you're looking for it, right? Whether it be Absolutely. drawing inspiration from coworker, employee, um, or even our kids, man. Um, so one of the things that's, that's just kind of clear um, as I just kind of hear you kind of speak and, and share your experiences, you're definitely well-versed in, you know, working with leaders, uh, entrepreneurs on how to use their intuition to be able to navigate adversity. Um, and I think what's clear about your depth or understanding there is it's rooted in having done the work yourself. So kind of with that being said, what I'm, I'm really interested in hearing about is, you know, you know, maybe uh, uh, what has adversity taught you about leadership that has helped to shape your view on intuition and that you carry with yourself today? Um, and if you have a specific situation that comes to mind, like we would love to hear it. Um, our, I know our audience would love to hear it um, just so they can learn from the experience. Yeah, so adversity is something that is a, it's a great, great uh, teacher for you. And what adversity really kind of does, and, and COVID-19 is actually a really good example of this, is because when you get into adversity, uh, from f- what I do is I actually turn inside to really ask a lot of questions of myself. Uh, and COVID-19 is a really good indication of this because I'm getting busier with people reaching out because they're having those honest conversations with themselves. Like, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, what's my purpose? Not necessarily in those words, but they've worked in a corporate job as, as you did, Jimmy, for a while, and now they don't have one. What are they going to do? It's pretty scary times. They've been laid off. Uh, companies are wondering, uh, you know, what are we here for? Uh, and why Why have we, you know, what, what's, what is our purpose? You know, what do we want to do? Uh, and in some cases, they've furloughed some employees or laid them off, what have you. And so people are having a lot of those conversations. And with adversary, adversity, when you have those conversations, then this is when you really get have to pay attention to uh, the, those intuitive signals. And in some cases, they're not that formal. Like when I went through a couple of the big adverse ones, like for example, my parents got divorced when I was in high school. And so this is where I was in grade 10. Uh, you know, 98, 99%, I was a great East Indian kid. Um, uh, you know, great statistic. Uh, and then, uh, you know, my parents get divorced uh, that summer and I go down to 67%. I get hauled into the resource officers um, saying, what's going on? And it really affected me. But then there's, there's of course, you've got the grief. Um, but then my intuition, you know, now that I've had hindsight, uh, basically saying, okay, you, you're the man now. Right, you're the man of the household, and so here I've, I've, I'm in high school. My marks go back up to the 90s, but I've got six jobs, uh, and I'm happy, uh, and I'm contributing to the to the. And my dad was very, very good about contributing financially, so that's not a, that's not an issue there. But I needed to to give my mom more money so she can not work. Uh, I can I can actually have some birthday parties, buy gifts for my brother and my sister. We can actually go on trips. We can actually have a car with insurance, um, you know. And and then I started trading stocks and doing taxes, you know, when I'm like 14, 15 years old because I love the math part. 
Uh, and nobody else loved doing that stuff. Like, I don't want to do taxes. Like, yeah, give that stuff to me, man. You know, and at that time it was old, you know, here's a table and this and that. So I was just like, I was weird. I was a weird Indian kid, man. <laughs> um, but it taught me a lot about being self-sufficient, uh, the math to help me, you know, get into investing. I started buying stocks. Um, I even went to an investment seminar when I was in, in, in grade 12. And I had $5,000. And I was asking people, I've got 5000 to invest. Nobody would ever take me seriously. It's this 15-year-old kid going in saying, wow, here's a free pen. Uh, you know, uh, how come your cash flow has gone down? The guy's like, what? <laughs> right. And, and so, uh, you know, a lot of those things were basically my intuition saying you can do it. You, you know, there's no holds barred. You can get into the things that you want to get into. Uh, and so that was it, was it was a time in my adversity that I just knew that it's okay and to move on. And so when I have another adverse time, or I find myself kind of going down, I think back to that time to say, wow, you know, there was a time where things were pretty crappy and it just all worked out because I trusted something. Um, and now, of course, it's a lot more formal now, but I can take myself back to that same time when, I th when I'm feeling down, a bit down and I think about that. And now, of course, with kids, and there's adversity, I said, wow, what would I tell my kids? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I've not even more of an outlet to not let myself go through adversity again. I like that, too. I like how you flipped it um, <clears throat> to say, well, what would I tell my kids? Right. I think a lot of times when we put ourselves in the um, in the seat of the problem solver or the counsel, as opposed to the problem bearer, like our whole perspective changes and our mind opens up to like the words that we would use to instill encouragement and confidence and make sure that, you know, they don't give up and fall off that horse, but we don't give ourselves the same grace. And so, you know, through that paradigm shift, you're able to tap into that and say, Oh, if I'm willing to share that with my daughter, why would that advice not apply to me? Right. right? Um, which I, I just definitely think is profound, man. And I appreciate you um, just kind of sharing, not just examples from, later on in your life as you've grown and kind of really refined your understanding um, and your understanding of intuition as a whole and then your own personal intuition, but then being able to look hindsight and kind of apply that back. Um, that's definitely, you know, seems like a fruitful uh, exercise. Like, you know, I'm, I'm taking notes of some of the things you called out, right? Like going through all the decisions you made good and bad and being able to look at those common threads or indicators in your intuition. It also seems like it'd be a fruitful exercise to kind of reflect back on some of those adverse moments in our past um, right. mm -hmm. and then use that as a way to also identify where our intuition was pushing us. And I love, I love the fact that you, you know, you ended it with this, that when you look back at that, you realize that even as terrible as those times were, you were able to get through me, you were able to, and it was able to become better because you trusted something like right trusted in something uh, that's what really sticks out to me because um, we've talked about that before you know uh, Jimmy and myself like you know um, he knows that you know, one of the things I've always said is <clears throat> as leaders um, you know a lot of us have to realize the reason why we've gotten into the positions we've gotten into is not just because of our intelligence or our book smarts or anything like that like it's it's really not that it's about the fact that we've proven time and time again our gut to be correct right uh, that intuition to be correct. And so where we sometimes fall short is as we continue to ascend and we take on more responsibility, we give more and more weight and credence to things other than our gut. And then we end up finding ourselves making wrong decisions right. or out of balance or out of whack. Um, and so um, everything you're sharing just kind of really resonates uh, 
you know, with me from that perspective. And now I have added context to why I feel that way because I, I honestly, I feel that way about gut instinct as leaders off of my intuition, off of my own examples, but without necessarily mm-hmm. doing that deep dive that you're talking about doing. Um, and so to know that there's some science behind it, to know that it's rooted in, in these indicators that tie into my intuition, like I want to go back and do that work um, right. and feel more reaffirmed um, in my sentiment there. So Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, failure is an excellent, excellent uh, thing because without, uh, without failure, you can't succeed. Uh, and for your intuition, failure is the best uh, thing for you guys because – for anybody because how do you know what your negative intuitive signals are if you haven't failed? Uh, right, and those are the ones that are always there, at the, and they're unique to you. Uh, and so, when you when you look back at the failures, there's that's when you get the negative signals, and that when you have that inventory, it's going to come up again, so that you don't fail again. Right. So, look at failure positively. Look at the hard times positively, um, because there's there's some there's gold information in those those times that you go through them. And so, if you failed once or ten or fifteen times, I don't really care. Uh, you know, you just pick up on the signals so that you don't fall, you don't start failing today onwards. Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely something that we, we express a lot as teachers, educators, as coaches. You have to make mistakes. Like, I prefer you to make mistakes right. and, and learn from those. As long as you're learning from those and then limiting those mistakes uh, or uh, completely, you know, removing those type of mistakes from yourself and, and your actions in the future, then... There's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, absolutely. So as we, as we kind of, you know, kind of get to, um, to the end as well, I'm curious for our entrepreneurs out there, and I will tell our listeners uh, and our, our viewers as well, this is part one. So this is episode 39, part one. We're going to be coming back and going into a, a deep dive into intuition and branding from a business builder and entrepreneur perspective. But I am curious, Sunil, what, what words of advice would you share with leaders and, and aspiring uh, entrepreneurs and business owners uh, when it comes to, to intuition? So the first thing is go back to why are you building the business? Why are you doing what you're doing? If you're doing something because you're mimicking somebody else, that's, somebody's intuition is going to pick that up. You're, you're in business because you found a solution to a problem that people are really yearning to solve, and they're going to pay you for that. And that's where the basics of the building blocks. And so what is that story? Why? What, was it something that you found? Uh, was it something that a customer found or something that was a hole in the market? Um, and so go back to figuring out what that story is because that's the story that people are going to gravitate to. And as long as you tell that story in an authentic way, um, because that is your story, then that's how people are going to really gravitate to figuring out, uh, you know, wow, this person has something. Uh, I love this passion. The intuition is going to trust that person. Uh, and then that's how they're going to exchange that, that value. That's why the customers are going to want to buy from you more. That's why employees want to say, I love this guy's story. Uh, and as long as you treat them well, um, you know, they're going to want to stick around with you. And that story is what the marketplace wants to hear, right? And that's in your marketing message. Um, and so it's really knowing what that is and driving home in the marketplace that particular story, which has to be authentic. At the moment that it's inauthentic, you're done. You're finished because the intuition of others, intuition is a two-way street. The intuition of the others are going to say, uh-uh, I don't believe that person. And then you're in trouble because now you've got short-term gains because of bottom feeding is what I call it. Uh, and it's going to be long-term pain because you never have anybody else that's going to trust you again. Nobody is going to tell you you should buy from that person. 
you know, uh, customer is not going to buy from you again, right? And it's six times more expensive to have a new customer than it is a repeat customer. So that cash flow is going to get tight and tight and tight if you're going to be inauthentic. And then you shouldn't be in business. Amen to that. And it's, it's so easy these days, you know, with, with the amount of information and people out there to um, to not be your, your authentic self because you feel like you have to be like somebody else when really, you know, what we've been expressing too is, you know, just finding that, that, that 1,000 true fans and you get to that point because you were true to yourself and you were true to your passion and you were true to, you know, what you feel your purpose is and and what you feel you have to offer, you know, right. to that community and those individuals that need your products or services uh, or your motivation, whatever that is that you bring to the table. Um, and, and these days, you know, again, as people get more in tune with their intuition, they recognize, right? Game recognizes game. And they re- they can understand when somebody is, is being their true authentic self right. and when they're not. Right. And they're trying to be something that they're not. And to your point, who wants to trust that? Uh, especially when you're talking about investing my dollars for a service or a product uh, that you're offering. So, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Investing my dollars, investing my time, too. Exactly. Especially how finite of a resource that is. Like, yep. why am I even allowing you to occupy my mind share? You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, Sunil, why don't you uh, tell our our listeners and our viewers, you know, where they can find specifically uh, more information about you uh, and maybe on what social media platforms they can follow you as well. Absolutely. So I'm on the the major uh, social media platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, YouTube, um, and uh, Instagram. Uh, I've got some stuff on TikTok. Uh, I'm not doing too much dancing there. Otherwise, the intuition of other people, I'm going to say, what is wrong with that guy? Uh, and then I've got, uh, the, so the, on the personal side, it's intuitionology.com. So you can find the free seven-day challenge there. Uh, and that's going to take you a deep dive into solving a problem uh, from that perspective. And then on the uh, on the professional side, you can go to sunilgodsey.com. There's a lot of stuff on intuitive branding. Um, and uh, you can take a look at some of the content there. I'm going to be a lot more vocal with some branding coming out, uh, or some blogs and vlogs and stuff like that. So... Uh, yeah, lots of ways to reach me and uh, get in touch with uh, me either that way through DMs or on my websites. Oh, awesome. Uh, and again, for our legacy leaders out there, stay tuned because we are going to be dropping part two uh, of this series where we're going to, again, really uh, allow Sunil to, to take a deep dive into that whole branding aspect. And what he does is help businesses to crush the competition by showing them, again, how to earn that trust, as he's been mentioning through this episode. Um, to those who really matter within 14 seconds and how to do that. So right. definitely stay tuned for that next episode. Uh, again, we definitely appreciate our folks out there. Um, I hope that you've found a lot of value in, in listening to Sunil's story and, and a lot of the advice that he's provided on intuition and how you should ways you know that you can really fine tune that intuition to help you make better decisions in your life and as a business owner and as an entrepreneur. Uh, So again, if you found value in this, please make sure uh, to like and review the podcast episode. Uh, If you're one of our viewers on the YouTube channel, again, please leave us some comments. Let us know some of the bars that you've heard, some of the golden nuggets that you've heard dropped by Sunil today, uh, and make sure that you leave some comments so that we can engage with you that way. Uh, And again, subscribe to the channel. We, We sincerely, sincerely appreciate that. And share. Share the episode, share the video uh, with other entrepreneurs uh, and entree leaders that you know would definitely find value uh, from our special guest that we have with us today. Um, 
again, we, we sincerely appreciate uh, having you uh, with us again on, uh, today on this particular episode. Um, for all of our leaders out there, please always remember, you know, the life that you live is a legacy that you lead. Uh, focus on your intuition, focus on that decision making process uh, and focus on being aware and being uh, available for the next episode, the next video that's going to be dropping so we can hear more about Sunil. Uh, and again, that branding perspective and how to crush your competition. Because uh, why be in business if you're not trying to not necessarily, you know, I, I feel you're crushing the competition, but being number one. If you're going to do something, do it with excellence, do it to the best of your ability and be number one in that space, in that lane and dominate that space in that lane. Um, so until next time, legacy leaders, uh, thank you very much. Again, we appreciate you rocking with us. God bless and stay encouraged. Great, on that beat, going crazy. Just listen to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, hosted by Jimmy Gonzalez and Devon Watts. Thank you, and we hope that you live, lead, and leave a legacy worth remembering. Until next time.